The scripture for today is Jonah verse two, or two, verses one through 10. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the ocean or beach. Good morning, Faith Westwood. So good to see you again. Thank you for asking me to worship with you again this morning. I can really feel God moving in this place today. I hope you can feel it too. I'm Susan Sapp. I'm a lay leader at Horizons Community Church in Lincoln. And as many of you know, I was blessed to be pastored by Steve Todd for 12 years before he came to Faith Westward, uh, Westwood. He was an important part of my story, um, and I'll always be grateful for that. Steve was the first person to ask me to give a message on Sunday, and my initial answer was no. <laughs> I think I said I'd rather take a beating. I don't mind talking in front of people, but I knew that God was going to call me to talk about uncomfortable things or unflattering things, and, and that scared me. But I've done it a few times now, and um, today won't be any exception to, to that. Um, we'll be talking about things that are unflattering and uncomfortable, but hopefully things that you can relate to. <clears throat> I'm a wife and a mother of grown kids. They range from 31 to 22, and I have an awesome grandson who's five. Um, I've practiced law for 33 years, and I primarily work with doctors in hospitals and universities. Growing up, I believed in God, uh, but in my early 30s, I came to be a Christ follower. I learned that no matter who you are or where you are or where you've been or what you've done, God wants a real and personal relationship with you. I learned that being in relationship with God uh, doesn't mean your life will be perfect. And I learned that God uses problems to help us grow, which is really easy to say in the abstract, right? In the hypothetical. But when storms hit, it's more challenging. A friend of mine says, you can't have a story without a storm. So I've really appreciated that when storms have struck, God doesn't leave us with no way out. He doesn't leave us alone to handle it. He calls us into relationships because that's the greatest commandment there is, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. In Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and most important commandment. So what the Bible doesn't say is, just believe God exists and everything will be cool. 
And it doesn't say, love God as long as you have no problems or challenges in your life. It says to love God with everything you have, more than anything or anyone else, all the time, not depending on your circumstances. God chased after me for years trying to put people in my life who would reveal to me the difference between believing in God and a relationship with God. I did not ever plan on being a born-again Christian. I saw myself as strong and independent, in control. But eventually I learned that God wants a relationship with us that's much like our human relationships. He wants our love, our time, our attention, and our trust. Trust can be hard for some of us, though, really hard. A friend of mine summed it up to me one day, and she said, Susan, do you want God, or do you just want your own way? My life has been profoundly different over the 25 years that I've been a believer, and everything about my life has been better. There's really absolutely nothing that anybody could do to convince me to give up my relationship with Christ, and I don't ever want to go back to being the person that I was before I knew Christ. But here's the truth. When things are going well in your life, having a relationship with Christ is not that hard. When he's doing things your way. So loving God came easily to me. I loved how it felt to have a relationship with Christ. I was changing in ways that were visible. I was um, more peaceful, less of a workaholic. So giving my time and my attention to, tr- to God came easily. But the whole trusting thing, that was a different story. When I was first walking with Christ, I would focus on a couple of scriptures. Like, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. That's Matthew 17, 20. And all things are possible with God. Mark 10, verse 27. I figured I could start with faith the size of a mustard seed. Even I could trust that much. And over time, I thought my trust had grown to the point where I really didn't have a problem with trust anymore. But trusting God is easy when things are going your way. When things are going your way, it's easy. But it's also easy to get complacent with God and and have that relationship become complacent. We can become what I call lukewarm Christians, people who merely tolerate God's role in our life. And we can start to act like everything we've been blessed with is because of what we've done. We've worked hard. We've done everything right. We're blessed with these things. We've earned it. We deserve the success because we're doing it right. And that causes us to lose our gratitude toward God. And then when there's real turmoil in our lives, we can have tension in our relationship with Christ. And things can look a lot like they did for our friend Jonah. So let's unpack Jonah a little bit. Just to review, in case you haven't seen Veggie Tales lately, the story starts with God calling Jonah to go to Nineveh to warn the people of coming destruction. Jonah says, No thanks, hops a ship, runs from God in the opposite direction. Then an enormous storm hits the boat while Jonah sleeps. Jonah suggests to the sailors that if they throw him overboard, the storm will stop. So they throw him out. The storm stops, and Jonah is swallowed by a big fish, or in the Disney version, whale. 
So here we are, sitting with Jonah in the belly of that whale. It's easy to imagine being there. Somebody after the service told me he'd been spit out of the whale more than once. When God calls us to do something, sometimes we do the opposite. We run away, and God allows us to be swallowed up by that whale. So let's unpack chapter 2 a little bit. Chapter 2 tells us that from inside the whale, Jonah prayed and cried out to the Lord. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. I sank beneath the waves, and death was very near. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was locked out of life and imprisoned in the land of the dead. But you, O Lord, have snatched me from the yawning jaws of death. When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. And then I think Jonah had an epiphany right here. He says, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise that I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And then the Lord ordered the fish to spit up Jonah onto the beach, and it did. No question, Jonah was a believer, but he lost sight of what his relationship with God was supposed to look like. He loved God, but he wasn't willing to give him his time and his trust. He didn't like the struggle that God was allowing in his life. So he rebelled by trying to grab back control and do things his own way. Because Jonah wanted his own way more than he wanted God. In Proverbs 3, uh, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The story of Jonah teaches us that when we are most vulnerable to losing our trust in God and our relationship with God is when we decide that God's not doing things right. That the day is the day that the Lord has made, but it's not good enough for us. It's not right. Several years back, when my oldest two boys were in their early 20s or so, we went through a real test. Um, everything had been going pretty well, but I could feel a storm on the horizon. When it first hit, there were problems, but they were small problems, small P problems, not capital P problems, small P problems. My older boys got injured in sports, my grandmother died, my best friend at work moved away to be a judge, my longtime secretary moved away, my work mentor got diagnosed with bone cancer. My older kids were off at college. I had to adjust to an emptier nest. I didn't like any of it, but I, but I did all right. I trusted God. I kept my eyes on Jesus. I prayed, and I read my devotionals, and I was in a life group, and I was focused on drawing near to him because I trusted that he could see the big picture, and I knew he wouldn't leave me alone to deal with it. But then the big storm hit, the capital P problems hit. Uh, one of my boys was going through some really tough stuff, some of his own making, uh, but stuff that all parents fear the most. 
And it's not my place to go into detail about it. It's his story to tell. But it was a very painful time um, in my life having to watch him go through it and not be able to fix it. He's almost 30 now, and things are much better. And I know for sure he sees that God never left him. But back then, it was hard. I couldn't fix it. I fix things for a living. People bring problems to me. I give them options, solutions. We've solved the problem. And then we do it again the next day. And despite the prayers of many, many people, God didn't seem to be fixing things with my son either. So there I sat, first in the storm, and then in the belly of the whale with these capital P problems. And then I stopped trusting God and tried to solve things myself. And God just let me sit there. We know that when the storm hit on the boat, Jonah went to sleep. And to me, that represents one of the ways we tend to react when a storm hits in our life. We run from God and we retreat. Jonah ran and then he slept. Maybe he thought if he slept long enough, his problems would disappear. See, when we stop trusting God, we become vulnerable to temptation and evil. We invite back into our lives those ugly parts of ourselves that we left behind when we accepted Christ as our Savior. We try to seize back control as if, as if we could. We try. We decide God isn't doing it right, so we'll just take over. And it causes us to do some pretty dysfunctional stuff, right? And God knew this. He knew of our human inclination. In Jonah 2, verse 8, God warned us that we might react that way. Through Jonah, he said, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. That means when we stop trusting God, we start to worship false gods like work, money, drugs, alcohol, power, pleasure, the love of material possessions. And like Jonah, we use escapism. He used sleep. We use sleep, sex, food, shopping, TV, gambling, alcohol, drugs, all of which are counterfeit solutions. Worse yet, we do what Jonah did, and we give God the emotional stiff arm. We start to believe the evil one's lies, and we get indifferent toward God. And sometimes we get angry. And when we get like that, we can start to get what we believe all twisted up. And the more we do things, the more distance there is in our relationship with God. The more trust disappears, the more our relationship with God disappears. When we stop trusting God, God tends to act in about three different ways. One, he might chase us. Two, he might wait for us to pull it together. Or three, he might allow the pressure in our life to ratchet up until we finally surrender. For me, as the situation worsened with my son, I panicked like Jonah. I started to retreat from people, work a lot, engage in escapism. And then things got worse, and I started to get things twisted in that moment. I never felt like God left me. I never stopped believing in him. 
I just decided he was messing up. And instead of drawing near to him, I started to create distance. Isn't it ironic how we can be willing to trust God with our small problems, but when the really big storms hit, we act like he's not big enough to handle it? But we know our all-knowing, omnipotent God knows all, sees all, can do all, and he doesn't suddenly become incompetent and unable to handle the hard stuff. And in retrospect, how did I think that my not trusting God was going to help my son trust God more? He was learning a lot from what he was going through, but he would learn a lot from how I handled things as well. So how did God respond to this big old mess? He chased me years ago, but he wasn't chasing me in this mess. He was leaving me to sit in the belly of the whale. I think I was in timeout. And like a good parent, he was waiting for me to get it together, but he didn't leave me. He also allowed the pressure to ratchet up in my life. At the highest point of the pressure, our family had four car accidents in four months, and two cars got totaled, my son rolled a Jeep with four passengers in it. And I remember saying to God, are you kidding me? Like it says in Jonah, the storms were getting worse. And that's about the time in that moment I started to really get things twisted. Instead of surrendering the problems to God, I started to try to bargain with God, to negotiate. We know our relationship is not transactional with God. It is not a transactional relationship. We don't get to say to God, okay, I'll obey you, but only if you do this and this and this for me first. It's not a transaction. But in that moment, instead of trusting God, I decided I would negotiate a trade. I would agree to trade places with my son. I begged God. I said, trade us out, fix his life, save him, give me his problems, just do an even trade, him for me. It's a good deal. I even prayed the words of a specific song that says, take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite I withhold. Here I am, all of me, take my life, it's all for thee. Now we know what that song is really about. It's about surrender, realizing everything that you have is a gift from God, and you gladly offer it back with gratitude for the blessings and salvation you've received. But in that moment, I twisted it. What I decided it meant is that trades are allowed. That I could just negotiate with God like I do at work. But what I was really saying was, take me, take my life, just give me my way. But it wasn't a godly solution. It wasn't a solution that reflected who God really is. It was a solution that treated God like he is the God of evil motives who delights in our misery, who isn't happy unless he's making someone's life miserable. That's not our God. But in that moment, I offered up a trade. And guess what? God wasn't doing what I asked. He didn't swap us out, and he didn't fix things, and there I sat. And I continued to pray, trade us, trade us, take me, take my life, save my kid, do it now. And when I prayed that prayer for what turned out to be the last time, I heard a voice 
just as clear as you hear my voice right now. And the voice said, God said to tell you he won't be taking a direction from you anytime soon. And that made the twisting stop. I remembered that we don't get to decide who God is. We don't get to define him. We don't get to marginalize him just because we don't fully understand who he is or what his plans are. I had a lot of nerve to pretend I didn't know that he's the ruler of the universe. I had a lot of nerve to act like I didn't know that he controls all from the beginning of time to the end. He knows my every thought. He tolerates me yelling at him, trying to bargain with him, trying to lawyer him. And yet he still loves me with a love that I can't even comprehend. See, I'm like Jonah. In in this point in time, he's in the storm in the whale's belly, and he and I both don't even realize we've stopped trusting God. We both see that we have a problem that we want to solve our own way that we both wanted our own way more than we wanted God. And for me, I was too busy pounding my fist to even notice what I'd lost. At that point, I realized that I had a very urgent need to work on my relationship with God. I said that to my friend Donna, and she said, that's the smartest thing you've said recently. The only thing I could control was my relationship with God. Around that time, I ran across the story of Footprints. I think most of us have heard it. That's the story where the writer talks about a person at the end of his life, seeing his life footprints walk along next to God's, except in times of trouble when he saw just one set of footprints. And he asked God, why did you leave me in times of trouble? And God said, there was one set of footprints during times of trouble because that's when I carried you. For me, sometimes... Do we have a little? There it is. For me, sometimes it's looked a little bit more like that. I'm pretty sure more than once Jesus has said to God, you remember Susan, she's one of our more difficult children. As I thought about footprints and how we're on a journey with Christ, it was then that I realized how truly far off the path I was. Like Jonah, I had run. I didn't like what God was allowing, so I ran. I ran ahead, trying to find my own path. I realized not only could I not see God's footprints anymore, I really couldn't see him. He was there waiting for me, but he was way out of view. Sort of like when you're in your car and somebody's following you because they don't know the directions, and you forget that they're following you, and you turn around, and you can barely see their car anymore. That's how it was. I wasn't following God anymore. This Christ follower wasn't following God. I was out in front because I wasn't trusting God. So I found myself right back where I was in 1997 before I knew Christ. I had to start all over again with what I believe. I had to recommit to my relationship with Christ, and I had to recommit to trusting God, even when I think he's doing it wrong. I had to surrender all that I am, my problems. I had to commit everything I could in an earthly sense to respond to the problems, but then I had to surrender it to God and not keep trying to take it back. Have you ever done that? I surrender it to God. No, I'll take that back for a little while. 
Okay, I'll surrender to you. No, I'll take that back. We're kidding ourselves when we think we're actually in a tug-of-war with God. Because we have to remember that God sees us as we are. He loves us as we are, and he accepts us as we are. But by his grace, he does not leave us as we are. I had to go back to the very basics of what I'm grateful for, that I can breathe, that my organs work, that I have a job, I have a family, a church family, that I've been saved, that I have the promise of eternal life. And I had to go back and realize how God had worked for the good even in the middle of the capital P problems. There were four accidents and a rollover and nobody got seriously injured. Amidst all of that, God was very kind to us. I had to realize this is God's story. My son's story is God's story. My story is God's story. Your story is God's story. The part we play is to bring glory to God, to point to him and share that this whole thing is his and that he loves us with a love so powerful none of us can even really comprehend it. And as for me, I had to quit thinking my way was better than God's. I had to quit wanting my own way more than I wanted God. I I was reminded of this truth recently. I have two dear friends who recently suffered an unimaginable loss of their grandson. And they're some of the closest people in my life. Um, I owe my relationship to Christ to them. They've been there for me through absolutely everything. And I was trying to figure out how something so heartbreaking could happen to such good people. And then my dear friend, uh, despite being amidst her own grief, reminded every one of these words from Timothy Keller. Just because you can't see or imagine a good reason why God might allow something to happen doesn't mean there can't be one. And this is one of the hardest truths to hold while suffering. When we can finally surrender to that truth, we can get spit out of the whale. It doesn't mean things are perfect. It doesn't mean things don't hurt. I don't think being spit out of a whale is a gentle process, much less landing on the beach. God doesn't eliminate all of our problems. He didn't eliminate all of Jonah's problems. But he's there. Our journey with God is never completely smooth. It's not a straight line. It's not upward movement. And sometimes we have to learn the same lessons over and over again. But trusting God is a form of gratitude. And our gratitude should not fluctuate with our circumstances. The Bible tells us, you are my strong shield and I trust you completely. You have helped me and I will celebrate and thank you in song. So the Bible teaches us that our relationship with Christ is a gift we must choose and accept, even when we're in the middle of a storm or sitting in a whale's belly. Trusting God does not mean that you have to clean up the mess before you surrender to God. He will accept us just as we are. And that, my friends, will never change. Would you pray with me, please? Dear Father God, 
we come to you with gratitude for all that you are, for what we understand, what we don't understand. We surrender to you the challenges and the problems. We thank you for the challenges and the problems and how you work in our life for the good in all things, for those who call your name. We trust you, Lord. Even when we can't see your plan, even when we can't see why you allow the things that sometimes happen. We ask for your continued patience and forgiveness for the times we drop the ball. We ask for your grace and your mercy and your tender arms to be around those who are hurting. Work through us, work in us. Increase our trust, give us opportunities to practice that trust. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, the greatest gift of all. In your name we pray all these things. Amen.